0: Rashnoykyo could join Hueroythet, who had prequated a high part zone of Hueroytha or Chuimbona, is who gave Welcome to ConLangery, the podcast about constructed languages and the people who create them. I'm George Corley. With me is my lovely co-host, Bianca Mangum. Hello. And the less lovely but very intelligent (laughs) co-host, William... (laughs) (laughs) Hello. How are we doing today?
1: That was quite the backhanded compliment.
0: Ah, oh, well, you know. That's how things go. That's how <laughs> <normal. laughs>
1: Today... Alright. What are we talking about today? Today? Yes.
0: Our topic? Yes. you want to go into it?
1: Well, unless you have something else to talk about.
0: I don't have anything else to talk about. <laughs> Why don't we just go into this? We're talking today about verb framing and also postural verbs. So, first of all, verb framing, There's this is another sort of typology continuum. You have languages that are satellite framed and languages that are verb framed. And this has to do with the way you describe motion. A satellite framed language, English, is satellite framed. When you talk about motion in English, usually the direction of motion is on a particle outside the verb. You go up, you go down, you know. Go in, walk go out, out. You walk out, walk in. That sort of thing. I Spanish
1: actually really like that in English. Of, yeah. Sorry.
0: Spanish is an example of more to the verb framed which verb-framed languages put the, the direction of motion onto the verb. So, Spanish has a, a verb subir that means to go up. And a verb bajar that means to go down. And, uh, the, they use those more often than they use verbs that, uh, describe the manner of motion, which would be like walking, running, swimming, whatever. No. Do I have that basically right, William?
2: Yes, I think so. Although I, I find the terminology very confusing because yeah. why would you call it, so The in shorthand you call it a, a V language or an S language, right? So a verb language or a satellite language. But who decided that when your verbs indicated direction but not manner that that was a verby kind of behavior and that when you indicated your uh type of motion within the verb but indicated the direction with prepositions that that was somehow satellites because obviously if you want to say bob ran up the stairs in English, we say ran, and then we use up the stairs. And then in Spanish, you could say the same thing, but you would simply make the manner of motion a participle of a verb.
1: Yeah. So, so Why yeah.
2: isn't that the satellite?
1: Yeah, he, <laughs> right? he, so, well, it's just deciding what you want to f- focus on, and I guess here it's I'd focusing speak. on the direction as what's on the verb and then on the satellite. But I guess you could equally do it the other way around. Right. I think probably, probably, a good point. I
0: think probably the first person who decided to categorize these spoke
2: a romance language. Could
0: be. <laughs> they just they just decided for some reason arbitrarily to define it based on the direction of motion.
2: Well that was idiotic. Neither of them should have been called verb <laughs> framed.
0: <laughs> yeah. In, in you know, any case,
2: but you're right that it's a, a typological thing because Mostly the Germanic languages are satellite-framed. Mostly the Romance languages are verb-framed, but there's always a mix. English, even though it's mostly a Germanic language, has such an influx of French vocabulary. We have things like go in, but we also have enter. Yeah. So English is is the weird hybrid.
1: English Uh, is just some sort of bastard whore thing. (laughs) Well... (laughs) Yeah, and this is
0: actually something something that can be very much affected by outside influences, specifically because it has to do with the lexicon, I think.
2: Right, I think you're right.
1: Yeah, but I'd so, say English tends more towards the Germanic satellite framing, just because, I, I are you going to say, I went into the store or I entered the store? Yeah, the,
0: because... And that's because romance roots in English tend to be tend to sound more formal, just because of the way yeah. that they're used.
1: Um, exactly.
0: I thought an interesting example of something that's sort of oddly in between, and um, me and Will were talking, we're going back and forth about this in the doc, but it seems really interesting. Mandarin. Chinese has a very interesting deal where it has both verbs that describe manner, and it has verbs that describe direction. Um, the direction. Yeah. So, Mandarin, you'd have shang and xia are verbs that mean to go up, to go down. Among other various meanings for those characters, but um, they also have this resultative structure, where you put, you combine, you can combine the manner verb plus the um, directional verb plus lie which means come or to which means go so direction relative to the speaker mm-hmm. so that it seems that seems on the surface to be sort of a um, an s structure because the actual verb is the manner verb so like I say if you I say pouting lie which Hao means run, jin means, uh, to go into something, into a room or a building or whatever, and lai means to come. So, you could, you could translate that in English as, um, came running in or something, but it's sort of, seems a little bit in between, because you can also use those verbs that just encode the direction. It seems like Mandarin's sort of in between both worlds in that case.
2: Yeah, that was my thought. It seems like Mandarin is is in some bizarre no man's land in in the middle where you've got all of the kinds of verbs but they get used in particular ways. I, I think I agree, now that you've talked about it more, and I'm remembering all those years ago to taking Chinese, that it is more an S language in the sense that the manner verbs tend to be the first in the series of pileup that happens there in those verb change chains.
0: Yeah. And they will more often use the manner verbs in a lot of cases. But... And a lot of times they'll have the manner verb and a directional verb, like tang xia, lay down. But uh, they, the fact that they can also use just the pure directional verbs quite often, actually.
2: Right. You know. Right. In any case, we, we don't need to turn this into a, a lesson on Mandarin. It just it seems yeah, it useful just to, a, to, to an bring up as a. As as an intermediary, the the reason I sort of added this to the list is I think in in my languages, this is this one of these subtle lexical things that I most often reproduce exactly my native language.
1: Really, I, I'm without kind of the same. About
2: it. Yeah, without thinking about it, I default my vocabulary to this.
1: Well, yeah, like I know Inyoak is definitely S. But that's for other reasons. And then my second language is... Second language is definitely V because it's basically like Spanish. So I have them both, but just because I copied something. You know.
0: See, I don't know. I've tried to think carefully about how I want to do this sort of thing in languages. I make, but... I'm uh, not, I can't really think of examples of how I've made an a, an S language or a V language. I can think of Ayuruyo, usually for motion all I use is the word nefe, to move. Which is wonderfully, uh, which came from a time when I meant for that language to be
2: uh, very, very vague. But now I think... That, sound, I need, that sounds like you succeeded with that verb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh,
0: now I think that yeah that uh, I may need to create some more verbs of motion and actually think about whether I want it to be V or S or in between. Yeah. Well, yep. I mean,
1: you can do it with, like, the one verb. Like, in Yauk, I think, like, to come, to go, to leave, and all of those things which have directionality... Um, they're basically just to go. And because all of the nouns are obligatorily case-marked, it becomes very clear where the direction's coming from. So in that case, that's why it's kind of the way it is. Kind of
2: satellite-ish.
0: Yeah, I don't think you really need to ish. distinguish go and come. A lot of languages that <laughs> have that distinction, speakers tend have tendencies to not use it a hundred percent in that particular way
1: how would you not they mean very different things to me well or am I being crazy Well. to go and to leave I can see being the same but not to go and to come to go and to come Oh
2: well, no, those I mean, are often the same route with some other What? Yeah.
1: Ah, oh, alright. Um <laughs> They're
0: they're similar meanings. The They're something... opposite
1: directions to me though.
2: Well that Well there are other ways you can mark that directionality.
1: Well, of course, but Yeah. Uh, There's
0: this is very actually it's not that unusual to have um a verb that has two seemingly the two meanings that go in opposite ways
1: that's true there was like a whole topic on the ZBB about this but whatever about like words that are their own opposites
0: yeah which and isn't sort of Thanks, people.
1: We're all oh, crazy. <sighs> but
0: back on this, um, William, you suggested doing this topic as well as something you call postural verbs.
2: Postural verbs. I-, I wanted to bring up one one last bit of craziness that you can think about for verbs of motion. Okay. And this dovetails a little bit with some of the stuff we're going to talk about with the the postural verbs. The Slavic languages are notorious for driving English speakers or even any speakers of non-Slavic languages bonkers um, when it comes to verbs of motion. You can find entire books just helping people cope with Russian verbs of motion. (laughs) Because they always encode the means of travel. There's no generic word for to go in Russian.
1: Huh. Fun time. You
2: have you, you have to go by foot, and you have to go by transport. Moreover, you have two separate lexical items for each of those, so that's four. There's go in the sense of heading towards a destination, and then there's go in the sense of speaking of a general activity or making a return trip or whatever. So these tend to be called definite and indefinite, for example. So, I'm going, you know, to school would be different from I go to school as a statement of a, of a regular habit.
1: Ah, yeah, I can see that driving me insane.
2: Right. Okay. And then different languages might encode um, where you are now versus where you're going versus the destination. So, there's a, a, a Suan language called Assiniboine. That I have a grammar for, that has twelve verbs, which between them cover go and come.
0: What about the languages I've heard of that use only absolute directions? Does that do you know of them having anything to have any differences in the verbs of motion involved with that?
2: That is an excellent question to which I do not know the answer. That would be an interesting thing to look at though. Mm-hmm. Because right, so I just wanted to I just wanted to, to bring out, you know, that last bit of 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 craziness that there's there's so much you can do with verbs of motion that encode different sorts of things.
0: Yeah, there's lots within of-
2: them as opposed to sticking them outside some other way.
1: Yeah. That's- yeah, I'm kind of a fan of the outside just because I'm kind of on the kick where I want to do directional prepositions. But I haven't gotten there yet, so... Oh, sure. <laughs> um, well,
0: then uh, why don't we talk about these postural verbs now. Okay. I haven't really looked up much about it, so maybe you can explain it a little bit, William.
2: Okay, so... When linguists speak of verbs of posture, um, sometimes they get called positionals in the literature. So if you Google positional verbs, you'll find a lot of these. Um, some languages are very simple. English is very simple, and I'll talk about the core there. And then you can get some magnificently involved languages in Central America, especially the Mayan languages may have hundreds of positionals. So the simplest core set. Of positionals are to sit, to stand, and to lie.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? So they're doing a little bit of encoding both position and your posture, right? If you're sitting or you're standing or lying down, there's different postures. Um, if you have four of these which lots of languages do they'll have a special positional verb for hang
0: oh okay
2: um and then you have weirdnesses that can happen they're like english confuses its native speakers and foreigners by having transitive and intransitive versions of these which sound so much alike <laughs> that lay and lie right would confuse the hell out of everyone
0: <clears throat> to, to the point that so many people have merged them <laughs> right. already. They're
1: completely merged for me. It drives me. It drove me nuts in German keeping them apart. Just like whatever, guys. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. But so
2: th- thats the core. Sit, stand, lay, and maybe hang. But then you can start elaborating this, and once again we have the situation where other features get rolled into the meaning of the verb. So, in a lot of um, Native American languages, shape and animacy especially get encoded in, in the verb. So, you might have something to sit if it's a long object, or if it's a tall object, or it's a bulky object. Um, um, uh, Qua- 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 Quala. Language has 14 postural verbs, one of which is used just to describe the location of a hole. The location of a hole? Yes.
1: The location of a distinct nothingness.
2: Correct. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) So, So one thing I should say, most of these verbs, English doesn't use them this way. Most languages use these verbs to indicate location. English we just use is most of the time. He is next to the tree. Oh, uh, okay. Right. Oh,
0: okay. Right. We don't, but, but we other don't languages to...
2: It sits or he stands or he lies next to the tree. We can use those, but if we're simply interested in location, we don't. We just use
0: he. I think you use he sits or he stands or he lies next to the tree more in literary language.
1: Because Cause you don't want to
2: say is over and over again.
1: Yeah. yeah. It also Writers, sounds very old-fashioned. It
2: does a little.
0: Writers do not like to use I- the Coppola too much. They like to use, quote-unquote, active verbs. <laughs> it yeah, sounds right. kind
1: of like a treasure map, like the treasure sits next to the beach, you know? <laughs> sits next to the secret cove. All right, anyway.
2: Right, so... There, so, long, flat objects sitting down. Uh, one of my favorite is some languages that distinguish something that's lying flat on its front or flat on its back. So it could be supine or not.
1: What's the okay. opposite of supine? I can never remember what the word is. I can't, I can't either. Whatever.
2: Um, so here's a... I was doing When I was doing research for this, this episode, I found a great paragraph to talk about these things. This is um, a quick sentence about Celtal, which is a Mayan language. And the guy said, the semantics of the positionals is characterized by the extensive conflation of different types of information about the figure, such as its shape, texture, size, disposition, and manner in which it was put in that position, while the topological relation is left implicit. So, all sorts of things are said about it, except the location. (laughs) So, um, and and there may be many, many, many of these. Um, Two examples from Teltal are one verb which describes flat-bottom objects sitting on a flat surface. And the picture that went with that was a pan. And my favorite was for of an animate object lying in a ball on its side. and (laughs) And that had a picture of a cat.
1: <laughs> uh, not like some person having a horrible day crying in the corner no yeah, no
2: person because no, no, that's what I am <laughs> right so another related language called toltzil uh tzotzil um has 16 positionals just for sitting and it will mean things like sit cross-legged sit kneeling sitting while unwilling unwilling to stand okay Sitting close no, to the ground with the legs slightly spread.
1: That's sitting okay. not willing to stand. You should have a word for that, for douchebags on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a good point. That's a good point.
2: Um, anyway, so that's just an example, right? If you can pull 16 things out of just sit, then you have all sorts of things that, that can go on there. Um, one of my favorites, and I forget which language it's in... Um, only is used to describe the location of coiled up flexible things like snakes or rope. <laughs>
1: I remember <laughs> you mentioning this before. Isn't
2: that great? I just love that.
0: Yes. I may use that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have a con culture that uh has a lot to do with uh, that deals with snakes all the time and they have uh-huh. that verb.
1: Oh good. They can speak parcel tongue since we were talking about Harry Potter earlier.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Parsel. in the pre show we we're talking about Harry Potter. Parcel tongue if anybody tries to construct it should have that. Yes.
1: Indeed. That would be
0: great. Well, I don't We do say we do say
2: coiled. Sure, but, but, I mean... but
1: not the same.
2: I would not say the fire hoses over there using a special verb to describe a coiled up fire hose. Uh-huh. Mayan okay. would, or what some of these Mayan languages would.
1: Is it different if it's coiled rather than, like...
2: Open? All floppy lying around? Yes, probably.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So
2: again, if if anyone who's interested in in playing with these, you know, googling on positional verbs or, or postural verbs will find these. What's interesting about them apart from encoding all of this fun stuff is they tend to be weird grammatically. They don't have to be, but sometimes they're conjugated differently. Some of them are not allowed to have imperatives, so they're not fully verbs. And a lot of the time, it's really common for these to get grammaticalized to be aspect markers. Oh. Usually, usually um, imperfective.
0: That makes sure. sense. Sure. That's interesting. I know that I, I know that postural verbs can sometimes turn into a locative Coppola, like um, Spanish estar, comes from I think a Latin word meaning to stand, doesn't it? Sure, I think
2: you're right. Stare. So, there's, again, we have this continuum of um, obviously the Mayan languages are at the far end. Um, English is near the bottom. (laughs) But there are some languages that have a separate verb which is used with prepositions, or postpositions. You don't say, he is next to the tree. You have a special verb just for marking locations. Mm -hmm. So it's not as elaborated, right? You don't use sit, stand, or lie, which English could do, and which a lot of languages would use. Um, It's just an altogether separate verb.
0: Yeah.
1: Or you have no verb.
0: Which is one sense of a star and uh in chinese is, is an example but yeah. um yeah or but,
1: you could have no verb which would be fun and easy so
2: it would be fun and easy would that be distinct from the normal copula
1: depends on if you want it to be or not
2: yeah that would be I mean I think it could
1: go in either way i know in anyalk there's none in either case So it's the same for both.
2: Sure. I'm trying to think if I can come up with a language, a human language, a natural human language, where he is a doctor, has a verb, but he is on the floor, would not.
0: Uh, Chinese. Actually, Chinese doesn't have... For he is a doctor, 他是医生, for he is on the floor...
2: Sure, but, but it, I, I'm going to argue that Zi is acting like a verb here.
0: Mm-hmm. What, you mean that it's not acting like a verb?
2: That, it, well, that it, it, it is. The point is we're trying to figure out a situation where there is no verbal element between subject and prepositional phrase to indicate location.
0: Oh, you mean no? There's no none at all. No verb for location. Right now, that's an interesting idea. Um, hmm. Well, okay. I <laughs> we I don't, I don't know enough languages to, to tell you. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah. So you know, I wonder about Arabic. I don't know much about Arabic but i wonder
0: well, we i don't know, know we'll have a little have, bit of arabic don't you If
1: you're watching and you know something tell us
0: Yeah if you know a language that does has a copula verb but has no locative that has no verb for uh what we would put for a locative expression let us know Yes, yes. Um
1: Arabic has no coppola, though, so... Oh, it... No, it, it does, kinda. Yeah. Like, the only problem is I learned Arabic for, like, two weeks, three weeks, and mm-hmm. it was all conversation, so I didn't actually, you know, look through the grammar to know what... Which does is more fun way to learn it, but it's not good for me talking about it, because I don't actually know what's going on. Is <laughs> it? My brain has, knows what's happening, but I don't.
0: Is it like Russian, where it does have a copula, but it's often a
2: zero copula? Guys, it's copula, copula. Um,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, yes, I think that's right. You you often have simple nominal predicates don't necessarily have to have a have to have a, a copula verb. Okay. Yeah. But uh, typically, what happens is languages without a copula is it's zero in in simple use, but in particular tenses or aspects, something might be resuscitated to be used for, for clarity.
0: Yeah, I, yeah think- I heard that Russian in present tense has it's usually omitted, but in other cases it's used or something like that.
2: Yes, I, I think that's right.
0: I think we have covered this topic pretty well. Why sure. don't we move along to our featured conlang today, which, do not pay attention to the spelling, it is pronounced Kenyani.
1: It looks like Senyani.
0: This is... Okay, right off the bat, <laughs> both me and Bianca don't like using C for the K sound.
1: I don't uh, like using C ever.
0: Tolkien did it, uh, and it caused his fans a lot of problems, because so many people said Celeborn instead
2: of Celeborn. <laughs> right, but so if you are a science fiction or fantasy author inventing a language, then maybe you should avoid C for Ka, for the K yeah. sound. I can see why people but, do it. But, but, for anyone who knows Latin... Latin are comfortable that. with that. Feel free. In my opinion, to use C to be the K sound. <laughs>
0: Latin, well, that's an, a different deal. If you have a historical reason for it too, then it's fine. But I just, I just don't like it in general because I prefer um, Romanizations to be very clear. But let's actually move on to the, <laughs> the 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 whole language itself. Because despite our misgivings, and actually the romanization, if you look through all of it, despite the, the one thing that me and Bianca don't like, it's actually very good, I think. It's I mean, clear. it
1: makes sense. I mean, I mean yeah. he, he uses it well, but he for me his C is a all right, it's a stupid letter, and I would never use it for anything ever. So,
0: <laughs> will okay, well,
1: but how I will say that the romanization makes sense.
0: Do a podcast on romanization, and we'll talk about <laughs> the the whole career issues with C because I know I can think of good uses for it, but in general, his his stuff is not bad, and the no, the if, entire if language. If you are going to actually... We want to review the whole language. And the language itself is very good. So, like, one of the things... uh, You can call me... Um, you, you can call me a noob or whatever. I always look at the phonology first. Even though that's, like, the surface thing. But he does a very good job... And this is something that he does throughout the language is he has created a language that seems there has it has some odd things in it, but it seems plausible as a natural language and has a lot of cool stuff. So and he has the
1: is this person Swedish? You don't have to have all of the vowels. Okay? Vowels aren't Pokemon. You don't need them all. What's wrong with having lots of vowels? Lots of vowels is interesting. And I
0: like... What one thing I wanted to talk about is he has a very good, complicated syllable weight system for stress. And a lot of people, including me, don't do much with stress in languages.
2: Um... Yeah. For me, the most interesting thing about the vowel system is the uh, conditioned variation in their realization. Oh, yeah. Lots of people don't do that just because it's a pain. So to see an invented language of that is nice. I actually found his syllable weight system suspicious in the sense that I don't think it's very realistic. Why Um, on earth would another sound bianca hates the ash sound why should that syllable get why should that vowel get special weight
0: that that is one thing that looks tricky to me so u u and a ah. well, to me get special weight it may be this guy i'm guessing this guy is a native english speaker and english speakers find it very difficult to pronounce ah in a in an unstressed syllable he may have been influenced by that. I I don't think he's...
1: I think he's Swedish. Is he Swedish? I don't know. I don't know. Who else would have had these vowels?
0: If he's not a native English speaker, his English is exceptional. Because...
1: It's all of the secret Swedes hiding on the internet. Writing in English. (laughs) I'm going to (laughs) get in trouble for that later. But, um... (laughs) It could be, in my opinion, just because there are a ton of vowels. Um, certain ones may only take stress, and therefore add a secondary distinguishing factor, which would make sense to me. I didn't really look at the phonology, not my cup of tea. I don't
0: like looking at phonology.
1: You, I put it this way, um... I don't really take that much from reading about it as much as I feel like phonology to me is also goes hand in hand with like prosody and I've yet to read a good way to put prosody down and without both it's kind of empty to me.
0: Mm, okay.
2: Yeah. I I honestly if if people were to learn this language I would want some nicer way to mark accenting. It may be predictable, but the rules are complex enough that it might be helpful to give some examples more than two or three (laughs) um, of this stress system in, in play.
0: Well, let's kind of get further into the thing. I saw that he has um... He he does do tense and aspect sort of mashed together the way a lot of the way that European languages tend to do, but it seems like he does it in a way that's not quite so Indo-European looking. I'm not sure, and I like his volition thing.
2: Yeah, the volition is an interesting mix of things Um, normally I would call some of what he's describing here control
0: hmm okay
2: Um, but it's it's an interesting mix of um, control and a certain degree of um, what's the word I'm looking for Uh, a certain description of how you feel about things, right? So there's there's the neutral volition. Mm -hmm. And then we have positive volition, which I would talk about being high control. But he also says this form also often implies that the subject is happy about what he's doing and does it willingly. So that's interesting. Um, And then we have unintentional it usually means the subject is doing something accidentally or is unaware of his or her actions. That, to me, sounds like a classic low-control situation. But then he has this funky negative, um, which expresses that the subject intended not to do what the verb describes, but did, ended up doing it anyway.
1: Like Oedipus. The Oedipus volition. Sure.
2: Uh, yes, the Oedipus. The, oedip- <laughs> the Oedipal so- control... That's, that's, that's uh, a sort of thing.
1: How is
0: the negative different from the unintentional necessarily?
1: Because it's like you went out of your way not to do it, but somehow ended up doing it again. Uh,
0: doing it anyway. Right. And seems like that might erode because it's not something you would use all the time. Well, Tamil
2: has a whole bunch of these um, attitude verbs. Um, so it, it reminds me of that. Okay.
1: you reminds but, me of Oedipus.
2: Of Oedipus, well. <laughs> so someone should translate Oedipus Rex into this language. <laughs> in fact, much of Greek drama involves people trying to avoid problems, which they find that they can't avoid. So, does
0: he actually ever say what he did in that in that clear terms? Or is it mostly shadowed? Yeah, I don't he he
2: was given. A, there was um a prophecy that he was trying no. to avoid. Oh!
1: And man. by trying to avoid it, he, of course, made it come true. And then, That's happy the fun times.
2: Happy fun times. Subject for a different uh, podcast. Um, <laughs> anyway, these the, the volitional system is interesting.
1: It's, I could see, like, the neutral and the negative disappearing, but I can... Positive and unintentional seem, um, what is the word? Not functional. Oh, I can't think of it. Whatever. They actually serve a purpose. Productive. Productive, it's the word. All right. Um,
2: the only problem from from a naturalist standpoint is the marking is extremely lightweight and completely regular. Yeah. Right, it's marked by the final vowel of the verb.
0: Yeah, he, he is he is fairly regular and chart-based in his language.
2: Well, he is, has plenty of other irregularities elsewhere throughout the language. It just yeah, happens to be... He,
0: but yeah, he does have a lot of irregularities. That particular marking is probably right. one of the most regular things. He has a lot of sort of phonological m- mutations in a lot of his... Uh, things. Another thing I noticed is under number moving on into nouns he has a conceptual number which actually can count for a whole lot of things like he's talking about like I think it's basically it includes mass nouns and names like proper names and things that number zero or less which I'm not sure how usual normal that is, and, and but the main use of it is to refer to the concept of the or idea of something. I'm thinking that's more of like he had the conceptual. You can be used like a, a general number.
1: Well, I'm not so on the productivity of that either In that I could see it just being merged with singular or plural And it just being obvious from the semantics What you mean no, no. I mean, it's a nice idea And it's definitely something that we can conceptually think of There are things that you don't use numbers for Or you do use a plural But it's not really meant to be You're talking more about the idea but at the same time, I don't know how productive it would be to have that specially marked.
0: hmm I'm confused a little bit on his ad positions. Are some of these ad positions actually suffixes? Or is he all just of, All purely... of them are. Yeah. Maybe he should call them more like clitics or something, because...
1: Don't be silly. <laughs> just kidding. Um... Let me get to the Positions. I call my postpositions, well, I started calling them cases, but they're all suffixes.
0: Uh-huh.
1: It's the same thing mm. in my book. My book is also a crazy book, so...
2: <laughs> it's nice that he uses phrase marking, phrasal case marking, rather than uh, agreement, right? So it's adjective, noun, case, and adposition.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's nifty. Um, I, I, for so many of the things that are described in this document, I would love more examples.
0: Yes. He has very, very in depth pers- uh, descriptions, but mm, is very light on the examples. Yeah. The, And also there's uh, occasionally places where I'm not... Sh- I'm wondering if he might be shaky on per- ter- terminology.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, we have in one of the example sentences involves a causative, which I think is thumbing its nose at typology. Oh, why? Because the original subject... So, right, when you have a transitive verb that's made into a causative, you get like, I ate the pizza, or he made me eat the pizza. So the original doer of the verb, the causey, is typically in an oblique case, sometimes the direct object case, sometimes the dative case, sometimes the um, instrumental case, depending on the language. But in this language, it looks like you get two nominatives in a row.
1: Yeah. It's oh, like okay.
2: it's halfway it's halfway between a causative and a synthetic. Oh. Okay. That's interesting. But I'm not sure that seems unstable. Maybe. I don't know.
1: Is word order relevant? Probably. Well obviously in this case i would hope it would be or also it's gonna be highly confusing. Right. <laughs> um but I don't know about the rest. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Yeah. But um let's see what else was I thinking about the his four wees I'm still not exactly sure what the four wees are and his his way of doing reciprocal pronouns where is that let me see so he has four different reciprocal pronouns and in the accusative they tend to glom onto the verb.
2: That's that's reasonable enough. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. I, I like these little things irregular things that he adds. Like so these reciprocals, only in the accusative will they glom onto the verb. In in the other by the way, what in the world is ex possessive case? I'm pretty sure that there's another uh, term for that, but I don't know what it is.
2: I have no idea. Yeah. We'll have
0: to, I I may look that up and see if there is an actual explicit. But getting back to, so in the accusative, they can glom onto the verb. The dative, explicit, and genitive, they can't. So it's sort of one of these things that looks like um, in the process of grammaticalization or something.
2: Yeah, I would say so.
0: Yeah, so it's. I like the way he does things like that. Um, I think we're pretty much
2: through with this language. Yeah, no, it's but, it's fun. Uh, it's it's fun to look at. I must say, the web page drove me a little bonkers.
1: It's driving me nuts. It would it, be nice, yeah.
2: It's very nicely designed,
0: but it's just that the moving navigation is old, old distracting. distracting. Yeah. Like if I-, I
1: were a cat, I'd be attacking my screen every time I scroll up and down. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: that's the only thing I have a problem with. With the the other thing, it. I wish, I-
1: um, just to be picky, when you click Kenyani, um, it looks like Senyani. I'm so sorry, but it does. Um, when you click on Kenyani, it would be nice to have a list of the subjects there, so instead of me having to go through the whole list or click it again to find the index. Yeah. Oh, um,
2: actually, if you move your mouse oh. off to the right. Okay. That curly brace, there's a toggle topics area.
1: Where? Oh. Top right. Oh, those curlies. Ew. Okay, that makes sense, but I never would have found that. <laughs> oh. Unless I wanted to put it in Swedish. Oh,
0: and you can fix the navigation menu. Go to the little gear icon.
2: <laughs> See, I, so this guy's a web designer too. He must be. Yeah, he. Use extemp
1: instead of IPA. Yeah, Should remove that option.
2: Ex- <laughs>
0: and his um, his his oh. options don't appear to work for me. Maybe because they don't work in Chrome. In any Um, case, um, but anyway... You have to
1: refresh it, and it'll stick. Why don't we... I would
2: most like to see more examples of connected texts. That's, I think, the only thing seriously missing from this language description.
1: I agree. It's like, there's a lot of paragraphs about it, but... And there are some glosses, but it'll be like one for a page of text. hmm I want more glosses. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah, a few more examples of some of these complicated ideas would be helpful. I think.
0: Um, but otherwise, I'm it's pretty good. Way, it's fun. Uh, sorry for not posting a feedback thing on in the doc, but I wanted to. Um, there's one that I wanted to see. There's a comment on the last episode pub- published, Non-Configurationality. And he says, uh, it's from Permissile, I'm going to call it. <laughs> I'm going to say that's, that's how you pronounce it. If he can pronounce, he can correct me if I'm wrong. He said, I notice you seem to be talking about Ayeri as if it had only one script. There's the normal script Tahano Nuhikamu and then there is an, the ornamental script Tahano Nuvenon. Uh, while I'm a fan of the first, the second is quite beautiful if somewhat labor intensive, I too have found the scripts before the online. I think looking at I I think remembering that episode, didn't we? Didn't somebody at least mention that there were multiple script style multiple styles of Airi writing that he developed
1: um i don't actually remember mentioning it i think cuz i didn't realize it until i saw the comment um, um it's kind of you know i, know. I found I it after to... i saw the comment but it says alphabet so it doesn't say the alphabets so i, I kind of assumed re- it was one but I it's there on the website i remember
0: webpage. looking at the page for the script And seeing multiple different styles. Like there was one that was more printy and one that was more cursive.
1: Yeah. I I didn't notice at the time, but I saw it afterwards. It's kind of in a blank where you actually have to read stuff and then click it. So, of course, I never found it. I don't know. I don't read.
0: We'll have to. uh, I'll have to. See, I don't know if we mentioned that or not, but uh, no, thanks for thanks letting for, us know. For talking to us about it on the email or on the comments. Yeah. yes we like we like people correcting our errors if we make the errors.
2: Because it means they're listening to us. Yay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: I feel so much like for the last episode we did that I'm Aren't just going to have to write a list of notes of things, what what I said and what I intended to say.
0: Can we just say, um, I looked at, it seems like episode 11 is our most popular so far. Uh, we get crazy hits. Besides actually... Well, typically, we have more views on earlier episodes, but episode 11 has beat out the three previous episodes.
1: And the week it came out, we had the highest spike as well.
0: Yeah, we had a huge spike on that Monday. I wonder if that's going to continue or not. We'll have to see. (laughs)
2: Or people were just completely unable to resist the word non-configurationality. <laughs> <laughs> people were like, what is this? We have to see. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but I'm forced to be interested in it.
1: <laughs> I must know what this
0: means. See, I, I thought that, was, that episode was not going to be so popular because it seemed like such a technical topic, but apparently a lot of people liked it. Yay. Yeah. Yay. But anyway... Why don't we? I think we can wrap this up. Uh, anybody have any last words? Nope.
1: Nah. Okay. Toodles. Well. Ciao.
0: Happy Conlanging! Thank you for listening to Conlangery. You can find all our episodes and show notes, as well as subscribe to our iTunes or RSS feeds, through Conlangery conlang.org. You can also like our Facebook page or follow at ConLangery on Twitter. If you would like to contact us with corrections, comments, questions, or suggestions, or even suggest your own ConLang as a feature, please email conlangery at gmail.com or call into our new voicemail line 304. 8736281 We also have a handy suggestions form on our site. Our theme music was created by Xander Medeus